Merry Christmas. Some of you guys prayed for me that a certain packages would come in from Amazon Prime uh, by uh, yesterday and today, and I just want to, yeah, your prayers are more holy than mine because they came in. Thank you. Thank you for that, right? Um, so as we start, I want you to see Christmas as a gift, right? Because that's what it is. And I, I looked up on the internet, the most popular gifts per year, right? And so I want to do a little like back and forth here. I'm going to start in 1963. Like what's the, what's the most popular Christmas gift that would come? Like kind of kids, kids gift, 1963. You can go ahead and yell it out. That's fine. Easy, easy bake oven. 1966. Come on now. Twister. 1968. Hot Wheels. 1970, Light Bright. 1972, Uno. 1974, Tonka Trucks. 1976, favorite of mine, Connect Four. 1978, Simon. 1980, Rubik's Cube, solid. Money. 1983. Yes. What? That's wonderful. 1986. Laser tag. Come on. 1987. A little weird. 1987. Jenga. Jenga? It's a boring year, right? 1990. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 1996. Yes, marvelous. Man, it's like a prophet over here. It reads a few, my goodness. 2000, the Razor Scooters. Yeah, see, that's a collective groan. Um, 2005, we've got one more after this. Xbox, excellent. And 2010, yes, iPad. Marvelous. And 2016. Nintendo Entertainment System, the classic edition. Right? Yeah. Got a, got a fist up over there. Why are you here tonight? Right? Here's what we believe. Christmas is a gift. 92% of Americans say they celebrate Christmas, right? Half, 51% say they celebrate Christmas as more of a religious holiday. And 32% say what? They say it's more of a cultural holiday for them personally. This, I found this kind of surprising. 73% believe that Jesus was actually born from a virgin. And 81% believe that he was laid in a manger. So my question to you is, what we're going to read, do you believe that this is literally, historically a miracle? And if you do, I'm going to give you two benefits that I think we can get from it. But do you believe, first and foremost, that this is a miracle? Because that is a big question. I know there's some of you um, in this room tonight that um, maybe you've been hurt by the church. 
You know, because every single church has warts. We all have terrible weaknesses. And we've been hurt by churches. I've been hurt by churches. I've led churches. You know, this church has, you know, hopefully unintentionally hurt people. Every church has warts, right? But my question is, do you believe fundamentally that Jesus and his incarnation, Christmas morning, was a miracle? Because maybe there's some of you that you feel very critical of the church. And maybe you're, the only reason you're here tonight is because you love somebody in a family that has been good to you. And that's the only reason you will sit in one of these nice padded chairs. Right? We came from Mary Bryant Elementary, so I, we had blue plastic chairs, and now we have cushion chairs. I'm very happy about that. And maybe, maybe you're not critical, but maybe you're just simply curious. You've never really explored Christianity or investigated it. And if you're here and you're curious, I just want to say this. If you're critical or curious, I'm so glad that you are here. And I'm not saying we're going to convince you of anything tonight. I just am so thankful that you're here on your journey to investigate the truths of Christianity. Or if you're just here to love somebody in your family, thank you for coming. There's also people here, though, the third category is committed Christians. And here's what we need to do tonight. We need to retell our story because I know my memory is short and I forget stuff all the time and I get locked up in smaller stories that seem huge, right? They seem massive. I mean, great tragedies like the Seminoles going five and seven. What? Florida State Seminoles going five and seven? It's heresy. (laughs) Why why do I get so locked up in that? Because I'm a sinner. I'm a knucklehead. And I lose sight of the greatest story. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the Gospel of John. And all we're going to look at is two simple verses. The reason we're going to the Gospel of John this morning is because John was Jesus' best friend. Imagine if you were best friends with Jesus. And then John wrote a book about his best friend. Right? And all we're going to look at is two verses. So this is John chapter 1. And you've probably heard these verses before. But if you think about them, if you kind of like sit on these verses, I think your brain will be um, fatigued. In the beginning, if you transliterate that in the Greek, it's in the arche, right? In the archaea, in the beginning was the word, the logos. That's what it is in Greek, the, the logos. And the word and the logos was with God. Think Old Testament, God the Father, who's so powerful. And the Logos and the Word was God. And we're just going to do a little jump here to verse 14. And this is, this is it. This is Christmas in Bethlehem. The Word, the Logos, became carne, carnivore, became a flesh, and made his dwelling among us. Do you believe literally that God become, be, or became man? Because if you are a scientist and you're in this room right now, your brain should be exploding. That does not make any logical, rational reason sense. If you're logic and you believe in if then, then this, we're going to lose you. And that's why if all you have in your tool belt is reason, and that's a hammer, everything's got to be a nail. But here's what Christianity says. You need a hammer and you need a screwdriver. You need reason. You don't throw reason away. You also need faith. And what's faith? Belief in what you cannot see. 
And this is where, for some of you, this is going to be hard. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling a tabernacle. That's where the, you know, if you've ever seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the tabernacle is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the Ark of the Covenant, right above it, is where the presence of God was. And the tabernacle became the temple. And I, was, I had the unbelievable privilege of going to Jerusalem about seven weeks ago. And I was right there. Right where Hebrew guys with their Hebrew Bible and their Jewish hats and, and long curls, they were, right? They had their Hebrew Bible out and they were praying because this was the most holy spot for a Hebrew. It's right, there was a wall. That's right where the Ark of the Covenant would be. In other words, the Ark of the Covenant, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when those dudes' faces melted. It was because God, right, God literally hovered above the Ark of the Covenant. So God made, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's Jesus. That makes no sense to a Hebrew mind. If you're, if you're a reasoned, rational person, if you're Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, that does not sing to you. That's, that's like, uh, give me a straight jacket and, and take me to Charter Hospital. This guy's on suicide watch now. Someone writes something like this. We have seen his glory. We have seen the doxe in the Greek, the doxology. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Two things. Jesus came to, gave you gra- uh, come to give you grace. That's undeserved favor, undeserved merit. And he's got he, he's, he's to bring the truth to you. Because some of us want our ears to be pricked and you want to feel great. But part of the Bible is you being okay with being uncomfortable. Do you believe Christmas was a miracle? Start out with that. Some of you don't. I know that. And that's okay. And I want to say this again. I'm going to repeat this. It's okay. If you do not believe that this is story true, I'm glad you're investigating it. But for those of you that do believe this is a miracle, Right? That the word, the logos, Jesus became flesh. In other words, here's what John's saying. My best friend never had a beginning. Yeah, that's what John's saying. My best buddy, Jesus, he never started. What do you mean he never started? Yeah, no, no. I know, I know Mary was a 16-year-old Jewish girl that was pregnant, but that wasn't his start. He had always existed. Before, before time, Kronos, Kronos wasn't a thing for Jesus Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they always existed. And so when you hear this term, I am, throughout the Old Testament, what is it saying to you and to me? Your God is timeless. You are 44 44 years old, Frank, and you try to live like you're 24. Stop it, right? You try to play basketball like you're 24 years old, and you pull a hamstring, right? You try to eat like you're 24 years old, and you've got a nice gut right now, Taylor, I mean, that's solid. That's a great gut for you, buddy. Kronos, the time has affected you. But here's what we're saying. The word became flesh. And you know what? It dwelt. It came into your presence. Any other religion, if you're a Buddhist and you're in this room, if you're a Hindu and you're in this room, if you're a Muslim and you're in this room, here's what basically those religions say. Do things for God and make them happy. Try to behave your way and make God happy. Here's what Christianity says. God is personal and he loves you. And you don't do anything for him. He does things for you. And he wants a relationship with you. And so if you're here and you've never heard this before, let, just hear this. 
Christianity fundamentally is about you having a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And if that doesn't explode your brain, I don't know what will. Because you go to any other religion, go to a Baha'i, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, you just name it. You're going to do things for a God. In Christianity, our God does things for us. And that is a complete revolution. That's a complete mindset change. Do you believe that the Christmas miracle is God coming to what? To literally rescue you. Some of you, I believe, have been fighting this for a very long time. And you don't want a surprise. But tonight is your surprise. Tonight, you didn't know what this, if this was going to be anything meaningful, but tonight is the night. And God is saying to you, I've always been near you. And now I'm going to come into you and I'm going to change your life. Because you know what? You ultimately don't have meaning. I mean, so let's, let's fast forward 12 hours. So it'll be 4.52 in the morning. I hope my kids are not up at 4.52 in the morning. Let's go two more hours, 6.52. Hopefully one more hour, 7.52. My kids will wake up. And it'll be a marvelous 78 minutes of joy, right? <laughs> just love fest at the Taylor household, right? I'm just feeling it, right? Feeling all the glow. But if you think about your life, this is probably the moment or the hour or whatever that you're looking forward to the most the whole year. I mean, students or kids in the room right now, tell me you have not been so anticipating tomorrow morning at 7, 8, 9 o'clock, whatever. And here's what the Bible is telling us, and this is hard. That doesn't compare to the gospel. What you feel, what you feel on Christmas morning emotionally, with your family, is nothing compared to what Christ actually did. Because here's the thing. The Bible said this. I am going to come to you, Frank, and I'm going to change your life. In other words, Jesus said to me, I'm going to forgive your sins. I have two sons, Frankie and Jake. Imagine this. My fifth grade son, Jake. Imagine if he did this. Just imagine. I'm not saying it actually happened. He punches Frankie, right? Imagine if he punched Frankie in the eye. Right? Imagine that. Frankie's laid out. I hope he wouldn't be laid out, but maybe he is, right? Kind of a wimpy, right? He's not, but I'm just saying. And imagine Pastor Morgan, our new assistant pastor, came over to Jake and he says to Jake, Jake, I know you just punched punch Frankie, <laughs> um, but I forgive you. I forgive you? Morgan, why would you say anything like that? Well, because the only person you would think in that scenario is Frankie needs to go to Jake and say, do you forgive me, pal? I shouldn't have hit you. Forgive me. And all of a sudden, Jesus in the, in, in the Gospels is saying, I can forgive your sins. What are we saying? What, what is the Bible saying to us? You think you're sinning against your wife or your husband or your sister or your brother or your best friend. No. And Jesus is saying, I made you. Every time you sin, you know who you sin against? Ultimately, eternally, Me. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you uh, sinned against me because you know what I am? I am the God who is also man. And that's the miracle of Christmas. The word became flesh. If you believe that's a miracle, there's two things you get. If you don't, I get it. I don't have anything for you. If you don't believe that, I don't have anything for you. But if you do believe that, that Jesus came as the God-man, you get two things, right? You get two things. When he says, hey, look, 
You're the source of all blessing. In Greek philosophy at the time, this would not be accepted. Greek philosophers were looking for the word or the logos. You know that for them, the reason for living. You know what they decided during the time of Jesus? There is no meaning. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. Ultimately, you know what they realized? I don't think there is any meaning to life. So two groups formed in the, in the Greco-Roman world. One was the Stoics. Here's what they said. We will be disciplined. We will do life with a bunch of accountability. But really, there's no meaning to life. We just want to live a disciplined life. The second group said this. Let's go to Publix and buy a lot of Natty Light. Right? That's supposed to be a joke there. A lot of beer. Right? Let's go to Publix or let's go to the liquor store and buy a lot of alcohol because you know what? There really is no meaning to life. So you know what? I'm just going to get lit. I'm just going to live in this haze. And that's the way in which these two groups formed, the Stoics and the Epicureans. Today, I, I like to use analogies. I think it's in two forms. Anybody here like Winnie the Pooh, the story of Winnie the Pooh? Okay, wow, that's, that's depressing. You don't like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you back there. One, one group in this room is Eeyore. And here's what you've decided. Like Eeyore would say, thanks Christopher Robin for that red balloon on my tail, but you know what? My tail's not too much to speak about. Life is hard. Right? It's terrible. Some of you in this room, you're Eeyore. And you feel the pain of this world, and you've decided that's what life is. It's pain. Others of you have decided, no, you know what? The wonderful thing about Tigger is Tigger is a wonderful thing. You're Tigger. And you don't want to even talk about the reality of the hurt in life. And some of you in this room are Tigger. And so you live in this fantasy world of, hey, everything's fine, and it's not. And some of you live in this Eeyore world where you say, everything's pain, and it's not. And here's what Jesus came to do. He came to take a right hook to this real world and this ideal world and this wall that you have up. And here's what he says to me and to you. I'm going to take a right hook, and I'm going to blow into that wall. I'm going to break down that wall I'm going to bring the ideal into the real. Will you have faith in me? Will you have faith that I created you? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what Christmas is about. Him taking this ideal world, and you live in the real world and saying, you know what, I know you've dichotomized the two of them. And you say, it's either this or this. And Jesus says, no, it's both. And you know what I've done? To bring heaven to earth. And I'm going to redeem the world. That's the gift of Christmas. I get it. If you don't believe this stuff, I get it. It makes sense. There's other competing stories. I was over in Jerusalem seven weeks ago. And I felt the hate of the Muslim world for the Jewish story. I walked the Via Dolorosa with Muslims yelling at me. Hey, we love it that you Christians are coming over here. We love you for your money. They hated our story. They hated the story of Scripture. I could feel the tension, literally, as I walked into Jerusalem. And that is part of what maybe some of you are feeling. And if you're just investigating, let me just say it again. I am glad you are here. I want you to keep investigating. But some of you need to understand this. Here's the gift of Christmas. He came to give you meaning. And some of you don't have any meaning for your life. You don't have any meaning. And what Jesus came to say is, I I have come to give you meaning. All the other religions you do for God, here's Christianity. I want to know you. Period. And then some of you say, okay, God, so so I'm going to do all these things for you. Make sure you bless me. 
And Jesus says this, don't use me. Don't use me as a vending machine. Are you down in your business? You're not making the numbers you need to make? Are your kids misbehaving? So that's why you're coming to church? You know what that is? The scriptures say it's just rebellion. You're using me, God says. And you're guilty as charged. But here's what he says beautifully above that. You, your sin doesn't even come close to the payment that I made for your debt. The blood that I paid, the amount and the value of that blood that I shed on the cross is so much more than any sin you have. You know what you did in college? And, you're, and maybe tonight you'll wake up and think about all the stupid things you did in college. Or students, the thing you did last night where you got lit or you did something immoral. Here's what God says. The perfection of my blood and my life completely outweighs whatever sin you just committed. Or whatever sin is going around in your head. And I want to make people free. That's why we're here as a church. Are you locked up? Are you OCD about your life? And you live an anxious life. So you go to the doctor and you say, please prescribe me something so my brain doesn't go. And as long as I have that with a couple of glasses of wine, I can actually fall asleep. And Jesus says, okay, you can self-medicate. Sure, all of you may be doing that. But I've come that you might have life and might be free of that. I died for your sin. You don't, want, you don't have meaning, I've given you meaning. You feel guilty, I've covered your guilt. That is the gift of Christmas. Imagine you could sit tomorrow afternoon staring at your 10-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son, say, you know what, bud? I've lived my life just being fearful. Or I've lived my life being angry. And you know what I realized? Christmas is an opportunity for me to feel freedom for the first time. Some of you need that. Do not make this, please, a, some kind of cultural experience where you come to the 415 service at West Town Church and you, you know, check the box for Christmas Eve. Jesus came for you to give you a gift that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you feel condemnation? It's a lie. The scriptures say Jesus has come to accept you. Do you feel a lack of meaning? It is a lie. The story of the world is the story of the scriptures. Where are you? 501, Christmas Eve, 2018. What do you need to hear? Is Christmas a miracle? Or do you say no? It's the same thing as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? It's the same thing as the Grinch. It's just all lore, folklore, right? God is telling me, because I forget, Frank, remember the story. The truest story of the world. It's the story of redemption. It gives you meaning. It gives you acceptance. You are not guilty, Frank. You are not. Though you may hate yourself at times, that is a lie from Satan. And he just wants to win. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Everyone here in this room needs to know Jesus wins. And it's what we need to hear. Would you pray for me? Or pray with me? Yeah, I need prayer. Help. Help me. God... We have people in this room that are locked up. They're locked up emotionally. They're locked up intellectually. But God, like we see, like, like we hear the heroes of our faith, like we hear a, a Tom Brady uh, interview where he says, you know what? I've won everything. I have the most gorgeous wife, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's something more. May we proclaim to the world that it's you. That's the more. It's you that's missing. God, thank you for acceptance. 
Thank you for meaning. Change us in your name. Amen.